Big Ten Plus Four is a member of Odd Pods Media and ASAP All Sports All Plays Network. Hello and welcome into Big Ten Plus Four. As you see the moves there from Sam, <laughs> chair dancing is my thing. <laughs> Everybody's got to have one. We're glad we we found your talent as uh, we yeah, continue on. Occasionally, <laughs> uh, Big Ten Plus Four. We are college sports with Midwest perspective, blue collar and blue blood. My name is Dalton Shetler. That's Sam Sprunger. And uh, I, I suppose a little bit of this show is going to be spent putting a bow on the college basketball season. If you've joined us from show one, day one of Big Ten Plus Four, uh, we were so far in the weeds of Big Ten basketball that <laughs> some of you might have been a little nauseated. So we followed this thing from start to finish, and uh, it didn't finish well for the Big Ten. I mean, let's be honest. We talked about that a little bit last week. Michigan and Purdue were the only two teams that made it out of the first weekend. And now as we sit, another Final Four, no Big Ten teams. This is, you know, it feels like this has been an incredible drought for Big Ten basketball, Sam. But this is only the second straight Final Four where there hasn't been a Big Ten team. In 19, Michigan State made it. 18, Michigan made it. 20, obviously, we didn't have a tourney. So the last two, you didn't have a Big Ten team in. But, of course, when you're talking about hoisting the, the big crown, the national champion, you go back to 2000 for the Big Ten. So that drought does exist. We could have people that are listening to this that have never known the Big Ten to win a national title. Ugh. Isn't that depressing? That kind of saddened me. Well, and then it led me to the thought of the Big Ten drought is old enough to drink. Like, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> buy them a beer. Let's drown our sorrows. <laughs> And and to be honest, too, the Pac 12s is longer than the Big Ten. So the Big Ten doesn't Yeah, they're own what, the, 96 or 7, wasn't it? Arizona? 97, Arizona. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of people that thought that was going to end this year. And we see how that worked out. Uh huh. And then, uh, of course, for the Final Four, we saw two games or three games for all the Final Four, but you had Villanova and Kansas. We uh, saw I, two good games. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, I was still entertained by the Villanova Kansas game because the Wildcats got it back to six. That multiple first half times. was really, really good. And then the second one, second half, it kind of got away from Villanova. They were able to fight back a little bit, but it just kind of you just didn't feel like they were ever going to overcome that. And you know what? This is a callback to last week's show. So Sam's uh, headline, the Sam Sentinel last week, yeah, um, which is what we do at the end of the show each each show. It, he was calling out coaches for not wearing the suits on the sidelines. I didn't have a problem with it all year long until I saw Jay Wright from Villanova on the sideline without the suit. We need GQ, GQJ back. Like this he is does not... not look correct, does he? Oh, it, it's just so out of place. And so honestly, out of place. I don't think Coach Izzo looks right without a, 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 a suit, suit as well because you just have seen him and he's done everything that he's. You know, he won his national title. He was wearing a suit, you know, like all but maybe like, well, no, I mean, they didn't start this until after COVID. So like he's all never even made, he's never made it to a final four. Like he's always in a suit. So he doesn't look right without are it you, as well. 
Are you claiming that Michigan State has not been to a Final Four since COVID because Izzo's not in a suit? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> we we need to form a top list of coaches who need to be in suits on the sidelines. Think about this. Uh, would you would you think Gene Cady would look okay in a uh, quarter zip up and, uh, <laughs> quarter and a, zip. some swooshy pants and some tennis shoes? I don't think so. <laughs> What about uh, Coach Knight? Well, he already kind of looked like it with the sweater anyway. He got had the sweater, yeah. Yeah. But at least that's formal. Yeah. But yeah. You know what? I already put my complaint in, Dalton. Let's not relive it, okay? Because you know, I you're getting me fired up. I don't need to drag you back to those that's waters. Right. We'll uh that's we'll move right. on. <laughs> my headline but, this week is not a downer, okay? So Ooh, okay. Yeah. Excited to hear it. That's a, a course coming in the fourth quarter. Um, Villanova, Kansas, we talked a little bit about. Mm-hmm. Villanova, again, just a little too much to make up without Justin Moore being there for the Wildcats. But on the other side, this even re- responded or, I suppose, initiated a text from Sam to me. Duke, North Carolina, we all kind of sat there as that game went on and as you got to the final moments. It, it just had this feeling that, Duke's going to find a way, right? Like you can't yeah, absolutely you, it did. You can't have North Carolina spoil the final game of Cameron indoor. You can't in the middle of this farewell story, have coach K bow out in the final four to his big rival. Like it just felt that it carried so much of that, that energy. And then you got to those final moments and you kind of sat there and you're like, is this really about to happen? And sure enough, Sam, it did. Well, and, and, I, I talked on a different show uh, earlier, <clears throat> excuse me, late last week, and and said I wouldn't be shocked if North Carolina won. I just didn't expect it. Now, when it happened, I was shocked. I mean, it just it, like the the finality of it and whatever people saying he's going to come back like Tom Brady. Don't. <laughs> you know what bothers me about Not everybody's going to do that. So, but you know what, what bothers, bothers me? The the one who gave voice to that was Jay Williams, right? A Duke alum. Like, I don't, I don't think. And you know what? Maybe we all get caught off guard where Coach K in his seventies or eighties decides, no, I was wrong with my my foresight, and I do want to to head back. I don't see that happening, but it just seems like. One of those things where the media just likes to stir out the water, but it was you got to have Jay a story. You it was Jay Williams a... who gave that voice. That's what d- drives me crazy about that. Well, and I I listened to his uh, radio show on on Sirius, ver- re- sort of regularly, and uh, because it's on the the channel that I normally listen to, which is the ESPN uh, U, mm-hmm. uh, Sirius channel, and uh, the first question out of the gate. This week was we, I've, the, the guy hosting. I don't even know who it was. Sean Farnham, I think, is who it is. And he said, uh, I've been asked this five different times by people. Are you coming back? Are you going to pull a Tom Brady and come back? And he said, first off, I'm honored to be put in the same conversation as Tom Brady. But no, I'm done. Like, And, and he talked it through he talked for probably 20 minutes as to why he was done. And I'm not kidding. I mean, he just, and, and what it did, why he, people thought he was grandstanding by saying, this is my last year at the beginning. And he said, why, why is that? He said, do you think about the damage I would have done if I would have waited until we were done and then said it Mm -hmm. because then 
we're scrambling to name a head coach. We're scrambling to keep our commits. You know, coming into this year, any commit knew they were not going to play for Coach K this year. They were going to play for uh, John Shear. And, and uh, I, th- I think he's right. I think he, and you know, I'm not saying that it would happen, but what happens if he would say, well, I'm not, not going to do that. Do they lose commits? Because mm-hmm. some people don't want to play for Coach K. That's why they don't get every single recruit that they talk to. Um, I, I think he's done. I think he's, I mean, he's been a coach at Duke for 42 years. <laughs> I mean, that's my entire life. Mm-hmm. And I think he's just to the point where I mean, think about all that he's. Not, I'm jumping all over the place because then you hear people saying, "Oh, well, he's he's going to go be the Lakers head coach." No, he's not. He would have done that ten years ago or fifteen years ago when that opportunity arose. I mean, like he was verbal agreement going to go to L.A. to be the coach, and then all of a sudden he said, "Nope, can't do it." I don't think he's, I think he's done. He made, he may play an, an administrative role with like USA basketball or something. He might actually be a, a, an assistant or something at USA basketball, but that allows him to stay coaching a little and have his, his finger on the pulse of basketball. But I, I don't think he wants to do the everyday grind of being the head guy anymore. He's getting older and people that's okay. Yeah. And, and I think you're spot on there. And, and to your point about Duke staff, the, the staff is more unstable right now than it has been before. Nolan Smith just yeah, left. Yeah. Duke. He's, he's going to Louisville as an assistant, which mm-hmm. he's been there for a while. Like an opportunity for that guy was coming for a while down the pipe. So like there's a bunch of changes to be made. If you just were to reinsert the, Mike Krzyzewski back there, like what's already got a, a little bit, it's not that it's a problem or that, Durham's on fire, but like you, you have things to work through already. You add that back in and poof, like that's a lot of things to work through. And think he, he avoided that by saying at the beginning of the year, this is my last year I'm done. Uh You know, he avoided that, that big uproar of what in the world is Duke going to do? They, we've already had that cycle, you know, like when he announced it. But at so, the same time that he announced it, they I believe they, within days, if not right away, said John Shear is going to be the, the guy. Mm-hmm. So, and let me ask this too, because I, I talked to quite a few different people and they were kind of split 50-50 on this. Were you one of the ones rooting for Duke and Coach K to go out on top and, and cap off the career of the legendary coach? Or were you rooting for, you know what, Coach K, I've seen you for more than four decades get out leave my my whole entire life Dalton I have hated Duke (laughs) at no point have I ever rooted for Duke at no point at no point in my life did my team beat Duke and this weekend I was rooting for Duke you were okay I was I I I, as much as I dislike Duke I really like coach K he's as far unless unless there's we're just missing something he did things the right way, you know, and, and he's one hell of a coach. I mean, you can't argue that at all. No, you can't argue that. No, he, he, he's an outstanding coach. He knows the game of basketball. He took young men that, and, and, and think about this up until Elton brand, Elton brand. I think all of his players graduated if they, if they played for his program. 
Elton Brand was his first one to leave school early. That's saying something. And now, don't get me wrong, he always had great players. Christian Leitner is arguably one of the best college players ever to play basketball. He stayed for all four years. You know, Grant Hill, if he wasn't hurt so much as a pro, he could have been an all-time great basketball player in the NBA. Other than that, though, I mean, he had really good players, but they didn't always correlate into NBA talent. So to me, that says, great. He had good play, good college players, so he didn't, I mean, and here I am saying this about somebody who always had four to five McDonald's All-Americans the last 20 years of his career, but at the beginning of his career, he didn't have that on the shelf. He had really, really great college players. Well, but I think that speaks to to Shashevsky's greatness is that he mm-hmm. adapted as yeah, society yeah. and basketball all changed as well. I mean, he started to to go to the one and dones, and that's where you get Kyrie Irving, you get Zion Williamson, you get R.J. Yeah. Barrett, you, you get Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow. I mean, that's all within the last Paolo Boncaro. Yeah, and and that's going to be a top five draft pick. Like I, I argued that also on a different show this week that I think he'll be the number one pick. And I think he is probably the most ready NBA ready out of the draft class. Really? I think and somebody made the comparison that they think he's going to be very similar or he's going to be this generation's Mark Jackson. And I said, okay, I could see that, but he's going to be a better scorer. He's going to be a better passer. So yeah, he could be, but I think he's going to be Mark Jackson 2.0 where he's better than what Mark Jackson is. If, if we want to dabble in these waters for a moment, sure. I saw, I did not get to see Chet Holmgren in person this year. Mm-hmm. I did see Paulo Bancaro. I did see uh, Jabari uh, Smith at, at uh, Auburn. Auburn. J- um, Jalen Ivey. Yeah, I saw Jaden Ivey. Uh, so I, I saw Jabari. a lot of these. <laughs> I saw. I'm the Purdue <laughs> fan here. <laughs> I tried to slide that correction in underneath too. Like I was yeah, trying not to, me to call myself out. <laughs> Um, but to the point you're making in terms of the most NBA ready, Paulo Bancaro's sheer size in mm-hmm. physicality impressed me. Jabari Smith, like his length is unbelievably impressive. He's longer than Bancaro. Like he mm-hmm. is a long, long guy, like go, go gadget, like type of and, guy. And I don't argue that, but I just, uh, overall game compared with the physical attributes i I just see bancaro as being one that would be more nba ready now i'm not saying jabari doesn't turn out to be a better pro even personally you're just saying right now i'm saying immediate if uh, impact on their team when they're drafted i think paulo bancaro is the best nba ready player in the draft well, and I, and I think a lot of like being ready right now has to deal with your your physical size and your mm-hmm. physical attributes. Right. And, and right. that's I'm offering credibility to Van Carroll because he is built right now like an NBA man. Like the dude is a man where right. like Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, like those are guys who my jury is still out on Holmgren. In what aspect? Somebody's saying, you know, that he's a can't miss. Now, I'm not saying he will be a failure. I just, at this point, like if you were to, well, he's a seven footer with, you know, movability. And so was, so was Kevin Durant. Kevin mm-hmm. Durant was NBA ready. Like he was NBA ready and to make impact. Mm-hmm. 
Holmgren, in my thought, is going to take a year or so before he is going to be that impactful. I'm not saying he can't be, but I just, uh, at this point, I don't see him as being as impactful as what Bancaro will be and and what Durant was. And I and I use Durant because of the size mm-hmm. comparison. Well, and, and keep in mind, too, when we talk about like Holmgren here or in like the Durant comparison, which I, I think it's a fair comparison. I mean, it's not direct. It's not but exact, but yeah. A seven footer who can move and shoot like. Uh-huh. Right. There's an umbrella. Right. Um, when Durant came into the league, it was what, 2007, um, 2007, or 2008, seven. somewhere in there, six, six seven, seven or eight, somewhere in there. Um the game was still different. Dwight Howard was running the league with LeBron James. Correct. Like right. it was a different game and Durant kind of broke through and we're like, Oh my God, humans have evolved where we have seven footers taking threes. <laughs> and now, now today, it was a big Carl, deal. Yeah, I can yeah. remember that being a big deal. Yeah. And now you have Carl Anthony towns winning a three point contest with all the guards. But my, my point is the game is so much more tailored in terms of spacing and is not so much beef down low. Like, you don't go against Shaq if you're Chet Holmgren anymore. You go against somebody else who looks like you on the perimeter. So the game is more set up for somebody like Chet Holmgren to succeed today, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, and and like I said, I am not at all saying that I don't think he'll be successful. But I think right. that, yeah. that like if you take the one year that each of those guys played in college, Kevin Durant, I I mean I knew of Chet Holmgren because you know let's let's get to brass tacks here media coverage is so much greater than it was in 2007 which is when yes. he was drafted. Yes. Kevin Durant was drafted in 07. But at the same point I that's the only reason. You know, I mean that's the only reason I knew who he was. He was the number one or one of the top recruits coming into college this year. And they gave him all sorts of coverage. Uh, I knew Kevin Durant because I saw him play and was like, oh, my good Lord. But you're right. Those big guys didn't do that back then. Now it's normal to see a seven footer shooting long range. Which in terms of visibility with Chet, I mean, that's a big conversation with the West Coast Conference and Gonzaga Mm -hmm. being out there Mm -hmm. on the West Coast. Also, there are are big rumors to realignments in conferences again. And maybe that's a school that there's rumors that that school could be on the move to try and level up. To like the Big Twelve or the The Twelve? The rumor I saw on Twitter was maybe Big East. Gonzaga in the Big East geographically makes no sense, but revenue absolutely no sense. Revenue it would make sense. So we'll kind of see what happens. But but my point being just like in terms of visibility, that's a big problem. And Gonzaga, as it's starting to turn into one of the best programs year in year out in the sure. country, is trying to level itself up to put itself in a better spot here. And also to the Durant Chet thing, I. Gonzaga has a way better team than what Durant's Texas teams were no, like and, around and, him. Right. And I mean, TJ Ford was with Durant, I believe. I mean, mm-hmm. so, I mean, it's not, it's not 100% comparable. I'm just going by, you know, that size comparison to the, in the, uh, the college, excuse me, college career that I'm not, I'm not saying, and, and, and this was the, kept being the thing is, is they kept, you know, kind of getting on me that, you know, how can you say he's not going to, I didn't ever say he's not going to be successful. 
Just the I'm right just now. Saying, right now, I'm going to say I'm going to hold my opinion on him. Whereas Bancaro, well, I'd be shocked if he wasn't rookie of the year. To me, that's a flashback to the 19 draft. Zion goes first, and I was like, boy, what you get in Zion right this moment, that's a top 50 player already in the league. Like, right. So physical, so athletic. But John ja Morant, that's probably your 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 lifelong choice if you're making an investment. And the way that's played out already, I mean, we're mm -hmm. in year three of that. Like, mm -hmm. it's 2022, and, and Zion's never on the floor because his body can't handle it. And John mm -hmm. Morant is out here, is starting to enter MVP conversations in the NBA. And to get back onto the Big Ten vein is I also made the argument that in the next three years, Jaden Ivey will be one of the best guards in the NBA. I think that's fair. Mm. I and, think and and and, it, and it's because of his athleticism. He does have length for his size. He is mm -hmm. very he's got good length for his size. He div he and we talked about this about the, the when they were still in the tournament was if you close out on him, he's going to blow by you. But if you sit back on him, he's going to drop a three on you. Yep. That in its own is just a, a huge thing. And I see a lot of John Morant in Jaden Ivey. And a lot of people have made that comparison. By the way, the other couple lottery picks that are expected from the Big Ten, Keegan Murray and Johnny mm -hmm. Davis, mm -hmm. I don't know if you really miss Keegan Murray's length I'm in love with. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he's going to be a stellar, stellar pro. Um, so I don't know how we went from Duke, North Carolina to breaking down the 2022 <laughs> NBA draft. But hey, I made the comment. Of, well, I can tell you exactly how when we started talking to Coach K about all the him making the adjustment from four year player to one year. And then I said something right. about Bain Carroll. Then I made the statement about him being the number one pick. That's how we got there. <laughs> I just mapped it um, out for you. If you want to you know, make it a graphic, you can. Thanks for grabbing I'm the breadcrumbs as we, we go back down the road. Um, but let's but, go ahead. Oh, go that, ahead. That North Carolina Duke game, that it, honestly, for what was writing on it, okay, what was mm -hmm. writing on it, probably one of my best Final Four games I've watched. I, I think, in just in terms of the game itself, take away the context, that was an all-timer in terms of oh, the back sure. and forth. And then you put the, the, the immensity of the situation, has to be one of the top five, at least, if not top. Final nope, four I, game. I completely agree. Um, well, and that's going to be the game we remember for the rest of our lives, more so than the championship game. Nobody, had the... nobody will be able to talk about that championship game because it's going to be, oh, you mean Coach K's final game. Right. I, I mean, it had the biggest comeback in championship game history. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, let's get to the second quarter since we we've went down to tunnel of draft talk. Oh, that's right. But... We went overtime <laughs> in the first quarter. Jeez Louise. Okay. Okay, so second quarter, <laughs> let's go ahead. Let's talk a little Kansas, North Carolina. Um, North Carolina has a 15-point lead at halftime. Kansas comes bed. out. That's another conversation, a 9.20 start time. I Well, I and it was 9.20 start time, and North Carolina was up 15 at the half. Oh, so you just threw it in. Like, I literally went to bed. <laughs> like, I laid down and, and started sawing logs. I was I woke up in the morning going, Hey. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I, well, and I, I figured that. And it wasn't that I was that I didn't care. I just and this is where I went wrong. I assumed it was going to maintain and just keep going. 
Yeah. Because it is what it is. But uh, I have a take on the whole thing at the end after we talk more about the game. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get into that in, in yeah. just a little bit. But yeah, the yeah. second half, Kansas starts chipping away. Remy Martin, David McCormick was just too much on the inside mm-hmm. uh, that, that Kansas had. And, of course, you have Armando Baycott playing through an injury, and then he slips and rolls his ankle with about a minute to go when it was a one-point game. They turn it over. He gets hurt. And they show uh, on social media, there's a video that's gone around of the floorboard that he steps on wobbles. The floorboard gave on the floor where he stepped. And so now they're starting to talk a little bit. ESPN sent out a, a report, I think two days ago, um, that the manufacturer said there were manufacturers said there was no stability issues, no structure issues with the floor. But that's something that should be looked at because the floor went when Baycott rolled his ankle. You could see that happen. But it ends up being a costly play because then Kansas gets the ball back, they mm-hmm. get a bucket. North Carolina has the worst offensive possession in national championship game history. Was that like a 45 foot three pointer. I mean, that like made three no of them. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez and, and, geez. and, you know, because I love to push against the, the grain of all the color commentators who go, you don't need a three here. Sometimes you need a three mm-hmm. that one. If you're going to take that poor of a three, not a good shot. Like, no. No, I'm okay with the three, but it's got to be a high quality three. And then yeah, you, you don't want to be off the dribble guarded by two guys. You want a, a guy, your set, your set shooter that's wide open that you kick it out to. And he's like, well, this would be stupid for me not to take. Correct. You want high percentage looks correct, in that situation. Yeah. And they were just jacking shots. And then Kansas gets the ball with five seconds left. The guy steps out of bounds and it gives it back to North Carolina. You're thinking to yourself, it's there's no up perfectly. There's no way, right? Like if you're Kansas, you had it in the bag. And mm-hmm. and so North Carolina gets the ball back. And then this is what I thought was interesting because, of course, they have to put up a three. Kansas didn't foul. I found that fascinating because in today's day and age, you get up three, you foul instantly. They put mm-hmm. them on the line for two free throws. They didn't. They, I, I felt like they really risked it there. And North Carolina ended up missing the shot regardless. Well, and I even talked about that when St. Peter's and Purdue played. They gave Jaden Ivey a wide open avenue to a half court shot. And, yep. and Purdue was down three. No, why aren't you fouling? Why aren't you fouling? And it makes sense. It, it's the same same concept and reasoning there is they, they, they've either got to do one of two things, hit the free, hit the two free throws, hope that they steal, foul quickly, get another quick shot off or whatever, or they have to try to miss the second one, which you yep. barely ever see be successful. Yeah, because you have to hit the rim and it's got to come and, off and not have way. it go directly to somebody or, you know, or you'll get somebody that does it and only hits the backboard and that automatic and, you know, other or other teams possession or, you know, what or they make it accidentally, you know. So, I mean, it's just really hard to do. I and, had I had been in that spot before as a player straight off the backboard. I, I did <laughs> like, I was trying so hard to hit it the right off the front of the rib. So it could come back and, and I just it. boom right off the backboard. I, I damn near put a hole in the backboard. It was so like, it's incredibly and I'm guessing difficult. your, your future father-in-law was probably the AD at the gym that you were doing it at and wasn't happy with you. Yeah, that's, that's very possible. <laughs> you know, Hey, we, we had a game winning half court shot at one point for the first one of the season. So, you know, you got to, 
you, you give and go, you know, yeah. a little bit, a right. little, little right. give and take. That's... I get you. I get you. Okay. <laughs> you get a you get a reprieve because of that, huh? Yeah, yeah. So I get a pass. That's that's how we're operating in here. Uh, but anyways, North Carolina makes it to the championship game, falls short with Huber Davis, but Bill Self becomes the first Kansas coach to win two national championships. Mm-hmm. And the Jayhawks um, get their first title since 2008 when Mario Chalmers and them beat Memphis. Chalmers. Um, <laughs> that was one of the best shots in March Madness history as well, the Mario Chalmers shot. Correct, which but, saved saved the NCAA of requiring a school to vacate yet another title, huh? That's true. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, I mean, what do we do with Bill Self in, in Kansas here too? Because this is what's really interesting you have obviously the context of the issues, the violations that are out against Kansas. They're coming. Well, and and they did at first. And if I understand right, Kansas simply wanted to renegotiate the. I didn't know that was a thing. How was that a thing? You're asking. I'm the gonna. Wrong I'm gonna. Here. I'm gonna break the well-stated rules, and then I'm gonna negotiate with you what my our pun, my punishment is. Ask the guy who handed them the trophy and called them the Kansas City Jayhawks. That'd be Commissioner Mark Emmer of the NCAA. <laughs> uh, that's the person you need to ask. Does, that question. Did he have a uh, big red nose and white face makeup <laughs> and and go yeah afterwards too? <laughs> I just because that man to me is a joke. I'm not and, gonna I'm not gonna hide my feelings about it. He he he's just a joke. Yeah, um, he is the head of of a corporation. They're mm-hmm. for profit of a corporation that for years made billions upon billions upon billions of dollars on athletes and then got mad at them and punished them when they got a stinking ride from one side of campus to the other. Now he, he wasn't the, the commissioner then, but still like that's the corporation that I'm talking about. It just, I, I, I have no sympathy for what that man, you know, if he tries to talk integrity, that's when I say red clown nose and white makeup. He he simply and he and the NCAA simply refused to adapt out of sheer ignorance. And that's what led into this colossal case in the Supreme Court where he loses nine nothing in the Supreme Court. A unanimous and it's decision. Never nine nothing in Do you know the how Supreme divisive? Court. We're so it's divisive. Always it's always five four. And on that it was nine nothing consensus opinion that the NCAA and and it's because the NCAA never helped themselves. This has been trending this way for a long time and they simply did not prepare themselves at all. And then now you have on top of that, the NCAA and, and Mark Emmer are terrified to make any decisions because their, their response to everything is, well, what if we get sued? So they look at Congress and and this just came in the news this past week. Mark Emmert says we need Congress to help us make a unanimous across the country national law uh, to help with with NIL. And he keeps not their job. Tapping, that's he keeps tapping on the shoulder of the Congress. This is what you're hired for. You have millions of dollars of salary to do what? What does the NCAA do? They don't host the college football playoff. That's a separate committee. They host the March Madness. They they host NCAA tournament. They host some of the other NCAA championships. But what else do they do? They don't enforce rules, a la Kansas, uh, that we're talking about and how we got started on this whole thing. They don't they don't come up with new rules. They don't uh, adjust. They don't adapt. What is the NCAA there for besides just hosting different championship events? Nothing. Nothing. 
And, and, but here we've got so many more pressing things with our Congress that they should be taking care of than worrying yes. about what the NCAA is going to lose out on because their players think they should be compensated for the usage of their name, image, and likeness. And right, I'm becoming more and more in favor of it. I was always kind of in favor of it, anyways, because of the sheer amount of money that is made by the NCAA Mm -hmm. because of these players. But I'm like to the point where it's like sign them to contracts, like million dollar contracts. Then at least they'll stick around for their entire education. If that's what they're there for, you know, I mean, I honestly, it's to the point anymore where it's if honestly, again, they, they open their mouth. I just kind of go, here we go again. Because yeah. there's no, it, there's a ton of movement, but nothing coming out that is worth anything. It just it's. I support the NCAA in the aspect of I lo- love watching the colleges that play under their 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 logo. You yep. know, that's the only reason. If it weren't, if it, shoot, if if it was the PLQYZ, I don't care. Whatever alphabet soup you want to throw with it. I would watch it because of the colleges, not because of that, that blue circle, you know, you're you're not wrong. And, and see, the thing is there are real discussions to be had about the point you brought up because NIL is, is one thing. And I think, Mm -hmm. well, the Supreme court has showed that they believe that's the right thing. I think a lot of people understand that getting money from your name, image, and likeness is, a, a right that an ec- economic right that everybody else in the world is able to have. Well, e- even, even, even scholarship kids at the same institutions. If, are if they're there for music or whatever. Yeah. If you're I was absolutely an education right. major. And I mm-hmm. had a scholarship for education. I could still, I Dalton, I could go out and work in a preschool if I wanted, if yep. they hired me, you know, and, and I, and I could make money teaching even as an education major. Yep. And and doing your own camp, stuff like that. Like, I think mm-hmm. we can all agree that's that should be a thing. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that you proposed where players become employees, student-athletes become employees, that's a real conversation that needs to be had because there's, there's real give and take, real pros and cons on both sides. Sure. And that's where the NCAA should be advancing us. The NCAA should lay out to you, Sam, when you make that point, exactly all the problems right? in hey, that, that world that's, that there that's, is. And that's what I'm kind of getting at is, is at this point, I'm getting to that to where I just don't care. Yep. Let them make as much money. But tell me why you don't think they should not. Oh, we don't know what to do. Do something. Explain yep. to me like I'm five why it's not a good idea to let Chet Holmgren, and the only reason is he came to mind, make $2 million from Gonzaga University next year, and he stays and plays another year at Gonzaga. Yep. Explain to me why. And and that's the thing. We're not advancing in these conversations at all. Everything is just kind of chaotic with, yeah. with the NCAA right now. So. Well, Anyways. can we get back to the uh, to the to the title game? Yes, yes. Let's go ahead and do it. So back to Kansas. That's my fault. Um, <laughs> but but Kansas again. We were talking about a little bit with the the probation, the violate, not even probation, just the the violations. There's they, violation. They There's going to be something going on from this. 
coming and, out of this. And the thing is, the team that was in offense of the violations, trying to make sure I word everything correctly here, um, none of those players are part of that team or a part of this national championship team. So the odds that this championship ever sees a, a vacated, if like stuff was going that way, that's probably not going to happen. Like this championship is probably gun, going to stand at, uh, at, at Kansas. Um, but the but point question is real quick on that. Yeah. A few years back when Louisville got in trouble, they had, did they vacate the ch- title or did they, they just did. Have to, or did they have to take the banner down? They, I, I, they vacated it. Okay. So, and, and that was because players were involved with, well, there, there were a few different things. Because from my understanding, a major point of that was Rick Pitino and his play into it. Yes. Um, but it's how he got those players that were there. Okay. So it did have to do with players that were on the team. Okay. Because that was my question was. Can the will the NCA and maybe that was why Kansas wanted to renegotiate the punishment was Bill Self was involved mm-hmm. and he was the coach of this 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 team. Yep. And don't don't you dare NCAA tell me well it's not fair to the players. Don't even start with that argument because hey this coach was still the coach back then. Mm-hmm. Part of the punishment is. He he loses the national championship. I just I don't. Understand. I'm not saying that's what I should that should happen, but if the, if I mean that could, uh, but if there were no players involved in that that investigation on this team, I don't think they should take the the championship away by any means. I don't understand how we went from a couple of years ago, three years ago, to hey, we have wiretaps. The FBI has wiretaps. And Bill Self, being one of those coaches involved in that, mm-hmm. we have wiretaps. We have incriminating evidence to this. Like, how came, is that possible? When those came out, I thought, oh, Bill Self's gone next week. Here we are three years later, and he just won a national title. Sean Miller was a part of it. He gave up his job or lost his job because he wasn't winning. And then now he's got another job. Like what? Now, will he, does he run the risk of being, has he had the punishment laid down on him from that investigation? I I don't think anything came of it at all. I just think, I think what happened is there are two men in prison, Merle Code and somebody whose name escapes me. And these two were somewhat middlemen, you could maybe say, for all the transactions that were happening. Everybody just put the fall right on them. And, and the people who are actually the biggest culprits of all this are still here. Um, there, there's an interview, I think it was Code that did it, with uh, Dan Lebitard uh, a while back, where he talked about basically what had happened and how the court wouldn't even let him present his case fully. Like, it was such a sham of what had happened. And it's not that Merle Code and this other man are, are innocent, but they just took the full-on brunt of the punishment with everybody else continuing on as normal. It's the lone gunman conspiracy theory. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like anytime you say, Oh, this was just a one more than likely. That's not the case. There's always more involvement. And in this aspect, there's no way. And I don't care if you think 
you think Mike Shishovsky didn't know what every single thing he didn't maybe know every fine little detail, but those are not minute details. Right. So, oh, uh, Bancaro didn't go to his class last week. That's a minute detail. Oh, we paid him $300,000 to come to Duke. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just using that as the example of, I think he'd know. Don't give me the, 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 well, I, I didn't know. No. Well, Zion's name was brought up. If you want to stay in the Duke family back during yeah. that time. Yeah. Nothing, nothing happened at all. I just, well, and, such and, a mess. and, uh, I want to make a statement about the, the championship game, and then we can get yes. back onto this topic because Bruce Weber's comments I wanted to talk about as yeah, well. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So for the championship game, uh, you know, my thought is, is whoever beat Duke, I wasn't going to say. If Duke didn't win, whoever beat Duke wasn't going to win the national title. I was shocked that North Carolina was up 15 at the half, but I just assumed that it was going to happen because they were already there. They were just going to write it out. To me, I think the national championship game for North Carolina was against Duke on on Saturday. Yeah. So when they got to the championship game, and, and don't get, get me wrong, they were they still won in two the game. of them. They, yeah. they they beat Duke there. That's a Correct. national championship. They win the national championship in the Final Four. <laughs> yeah. So like Bancaro or Bancaro uh, Baycott hurt you know injury that was really really big, and they still had a shot. But you, I I, I honestly. The high that they were on from Saturday, I think maybe they were able to carry it over into the first half. But yep. let's let's take look at it this way: Baycott was still in the game when Kansas stormed back. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that that North Carolina wins that no matter what. No, agree. And and so like that that is that was my kind of kind of my my take from that national championship game was I didn't think I didn't in in my in my uh my bracket i picked them to lose to texas tech mm -hmm. and then texas tech got beat in the elite eight so i did not have or what yeah it would have been sweet 16 sweet 16 or whatever but my point is is <clears throat> excuse me texas tech didn't win the national title i didn't think that it, it just uh, think about that the high of and the 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 immensity of beating Coach K in his last game, that is such a high that you're just kind of riding out the climax of the story the rest of the way, and you don't make it. So if we picture that, and again, for some of our new listeners, I have an uh, um, interest in Michigan State Athletics, and mm -hmm. Sam is, is a big Purdue Boilers. fan. Boilers. If Michigan State and Michigan meet in a Final Four someday, I will pass out. Like it's going to be so much just to, to try and handle all of the emotion oh that would go into that. I imagine Purdue and Indiana Purdue finally gets to a final four. They go to the first final four since 1980 and they meet Indiana and the Hoosiers knock them out in the semifinals. Like that's a level of grief Take and despair. Those words. <laughs> like, can you even uh, comprehend how critically damaging that would be to your emotional. Do you comprehend how uh, how much life support you'd have to put me on the next day because <laughs> of it? Good lord. Well, and and it's funny too. So I I did research uh, recently for for another program, and uh, 
there have been eight different instances where a true Big Ten team has faced a true Big Ten team in the NCAA tournament. One of those times was Purdue and Indiana. Back in like in the 50s, wasn't it? 80. Oh, so, no, that was Iowa, I thought. was Purdue played Iowa in the consolation game in the Final Four for the third place. Both Purdue and Iowa made it in 1980, but Purdue beat Indiana in the Elite Eight to get to the Final oh, Four. I thought you said they played in the Final Four. I'm like, no, they didn't. No, 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 no. no. But I Just in the NCAA yeah. tournament. They played yeah. UCLA in the Final Four and yes. got beat. Yes. And then played. And Iowa got beat by Louisville, who ended up winning it that year in 80. But nonetheless, like, that did happen. Now, I wasn't around that time. Do you okay. remember Purdue, Indiana, 80? I, I was well at that time it would have been what March of 1980 and I was born in August of 79 so no <laughs> no excuses hey <laughs> hey 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 easy that's not to say I wasn't like boiler up but you know I <laughs> almost is, that the same, to... is that the same baby impersonation yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that was what that was <laughs> but yeah, I, I I cannot imagine what that must have been like, and uh, and of course that ended Mike Woodson's career. He that was his senior year at Indiana, the the oh, now Indiana oh. head coach. Well, that's why he celebrated so hard when they beat Purdue in Bloomington. Oh, I think it's personal for him, and I, how well, cool good. is it too? Good, you know what? It's awesome to have alums from both of the schools coaching the school, and then that's what I was just, just going to say. Hatred. I'm sorry to cut you off then. No, no, no. <laughs> but Mike Woodson, Matt Painter, like they both played in it. They get it. That's mm -hmm. such a cool aspect to that rivalry. And you're going to have that North Carolina in Duke. Shire played mm -hmm. at Duke. You have Davis or yeah, Shire, Duke, Davis, North Carolina. And, yeah. and to the other Big Ten one we're talking about, Michigan, Juwan Howard, Michigan State. Izzo played at Northern Michigan, but let's be honest. Izzo's become, State. yeah, he's become so symbolic he with that university. under it's Judd insane. Heathcote. Like, yeah. if you don't know Tom, if you only know Tom Izzo, that means you just weren't born early enough. Yes, true. And and because Judd Heathcote was the Tom Izzo of his time. Well, well yep. let's say it this way. Tom Izzo is the Judd Heathcote of his time. Like, that's that's how big Judd Heathcote was. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I love those, those, uh, those connections. I, I love that because then it makes it more personal. Yep. In both a hatred way and uh, just like a competitive way. Yep. Nope, and uh, I've I've got a little thing. I sent this to you in text. I did the 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 picture of uh, Hubert Davis and a black and white photo of a coach from Kansas. But uh, there are only two coaches in the history of the NCAA who took their alma mater to the national championship game in their first year as a coach. First was Dick Harp of Kansas who lost to UNC in the 1957 title game. The second was Hubert Davis of UNC who lost to Kansas in the title game. How about that for symmetry? No kidding. Yeah. A little flip-flop action. Only two Nin times have happened and it happened with the two same schools just opposite ways. I'm going to give you everything I know on 1957 final 4 played in Kansas City, Missouri. Michigan State's first ever Final Four in school history. Jumping Johnny Green led the Spartans to the Final Four. That's all let I got. Me, let me ask you. <laughs> you didn't have to look that up, did you? No, I, um, 
I'm a sick person. I have everything <laughs> memorized. I could I can name you every location. Well, I think I can every location and every year that Michigan State was in the Final Four. Wow. 57 Kansas City, 79 Salt Lake City, Utah. They win it with Magic Johnson against Larry Bird. Against uh, an nine- undefeated Larry Bird. Yes. Uh, by the way, I had a chance like years ago to talk with Bill Hodges, that coach, and do an interview with him. Hmm. Oh, that guy's a doozy. He was a blast to talk to. That that must have been the funnest time to to be around those two teams when that game like kind of collision course its way. Mm-hmm. Um, if they ever linked those two magic yeah. and bird and then yeah. to go to rivals like they did in the nba just made it even more special of a well it it changed the nba it made oh, the nba sure it matter in a way that it, it hadn't previously yeah. well the finals were on tape delay right <laughs> i mean like they would show it at late night because nobody wanted to watch nba and then Let's those see. two hit the nba and it boom just exploded um 99 tampa bay yeah, two thousand Indianapolis. Do yeah. you have a list in front of you? Or are you, are nope. you checking me? No, I remember those two. Okay, two thousand. I don't remember the other ones. I remember the the Tampa Bay and because uh, I think it was Tampa Bay slash St. Pete, wasn't it? Might have been, Maybe. but it was it was Tampa, but it was held in Tampa. Yeah, but I think there were there were events or as a whole. That's kind of a big metropolitan area, anyways. But. Um, go ahead. <laughs> 2000 Indy. They, that's when they beat Wisconsin in the final mm-hmm. four. 53, yeah, 41. That's it's true. I mean, that was, I the still throw my brow when I think about the year 2000, uh, NCAA tournament. Hmm. Purdue was a six seed and probably short of 94 when Purdue was the one seed going against Duke in the elite eight best chance that Purdue had to make the final four and they blew it. And this year, <laughs> Dalton, do you want me to leave the set right now? <laughs> I, I I just want the record to because, show. Because honestly, if you look at the the region that they had at the time that the region came out, that wasn't their best shot to make it to the Final Four. This year, you're right. Yeah, correct. But, boy, but the way it's with all the ways, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not sure they beat North Carolina with the way they played, though, if they would have gotten by St. Pete. That's possible, but boy, if if you're talking about that's what stands in between Purdue and a Final Four, that's as that's as good as that gets, maybe ever. Like, oh well, it would be another eight seed, and Purdue'd be sitting there going, "Oh, great, we're going to choke to an eight seed." Not saying they would have, but <laughs> but we're talking but, about Wisconsin as an eight seed in 2000 right so in 2000 michigan state beats wisconsin in a final four 53 41 then beats florida in the title game 89 76 uh i'll start speeding through because i might be losing people oh one uh minnesota oh five st louis oh nine detroit uh lost to north carolina in the title game that was the psycho t group which was an nba team uh 2010 indy losing to butler uh 15 Indy again, losing to Duke in the final four. 19, uh, Minneapolis losing to Texas Tech. So there, we made it through the list. All, all 10. Um, you. <laughs> and you. I'm, and I'm for impressed. you, the Purdue fan, 1980, that would have been Market Square Arena in Indianapolis. So Market Square Arena. That's as Purdue led by Joe Barry Carroll. That's uh, which, which one of the best players to go through Purdue. Yep. Joe Barry Carroll. Some of you might not know him, and you know what? Shame on you. We have been a whirling dervish here today. We are way long here. Uh, well, early that just in the means show. the other, two, the second half will be sh- uh, shorter, right? 
<laughs> yeah, this has been like three quarters already, but let's yeah. go ahead and hit the halftime break. That's right. You are listening to Big Ten Plus Four, hosted on Anchor and StreamYard. Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm Jamie. We're Married with Television, marriedwithtv.com. We are a couple of Hollywood normies on the outskirts of the film and TV industry, and we talk about our favorite TV shows, music, and movies, and sometimes they talk back to us. Sometimes they do. Our podcast is Married with Television, one word, on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Possibly Amazon soon. And we are a proud member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Hey, I'm Pantsless Aaron. This is Stevie. And I'm Augie. And we are BFYTW, a podcast all about playing games and having fun. Our games are usually based on British panel shows and game shows, but we'll play anything that captures our attention and imagination. Why? It's right there in the title. You'll never guess what the F's... You didn't share... Welcome back to Big Ten Plus Four as uh, we get ready to hit into the third quarter. Uh, we have Sam back now as yeah. we get ready for this third quarter. I, I had a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, one, the coaching carousel, because there's a little bit of Big Ten flavor currently with the coaching carousel. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I, this time of the year, it's Masters Week, Sam. Are, are you somebody who gets into the Masters? This is going to lead into my headline, so yes. Okay, point. you can pocket whatever you need to for, for yes the to a point. Yes, yes to a point. Okay. The one thing that I will say is it kind of is a little disheartening that it's so late in the year. Well, I guess I take that back. It used to be that the final four, then the championship game and opening day of baseball fell on that one weekend, and then the Masters followed afterwards. So, like that that week was a huge week. Mm-hmm. But. Now it's a little different, but uh. let me ask this too, because you bring up baseball and baseball, of course, continues to get in its own way. I mean, we poked at the NCAA earlier, but the MLB has got its own issues as Sam's repping the Chicago Cubs. Well, and, and here's the thing too. I've, I've secluded myself from the MLB so much recently. When is opening day? Is that today? Yesterday. Is that yesterday. Yesterday. Flash okay. today. Half the half the league opened yesterday on Thursday, and the rest of it opens today. And at this time that we're recording, the Cubs do have the best record in the league. <laughs> All of Major League Baseball. It should be celebrating that. It's as, as you might are. be the only time I can say <laughs> it. Um, but do you find yourself still going to games at, at the MLB? Uh, yeah, to a point. I don't, and as as sad as this sounds, I don't go to Wrigley that often because it just came out two days ago. They're the most expensive tickets in Major League Baseball. Well, and that's kind of what I wanted to get at, I guess, a little and bit. I've got well, a family of six, so. Well, that's my point. I uh, so we have where I'm located here in Mid Michigan. You got the Lansing Lugnuts. You got a couple other minor league teams. I know where you once were near Fort Wayne. You have the Tin Caps. I'm not sure who's South around you there in Ohio. Oh, uh, you got the Dayton. Toledo Mud Hens, right? Yeah, Dayton, Toledo. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, Columbus. The Clippers are there. Like to me, it's become unbelievably difficult with what the MLB has been. Mm-hmm to justify going to one of those games versus spending $10 for my wife and I to go to a minor league ball game. Well, and I can tell you right now, um, this, this will tell you a lot. Um, I bought six tickets for June 
okay, to mm-hmm. go to a Cubs Pirates game in Pittsburgh. I bought six tickets. They were $26 a piece, but they came with a $10 merchandise or concession uh, credit. That amount, I wouldn't even have been able to buy three tickets at yep. Wrigley. Yep. And and that's like, so actually by my feet right now, you all can't see, but my lovely dog sits here. The The lug nuts do something here in Lansing on Wednesday home games. Park they, in the park? Yeah, you bring your dog to the park. Like, it's such a cool family invited atmosphere as composed or as compared to the MLB where I would be asked to leave because Clark and Addison. Yes. Those are my dog's names. Um, Clark. And what Addison, are those after Sam? Oh, well those, those just happen to be the two streets that meet at the front door of Wrigley field. Dalton. Thank <laughs> you for asking. Um, and they, and we got those two to replace uh, the uh, dog we had prior to that named wrigley so um uh but like they would bark all the time because they just uh, they they're friends with every dog so like they'd want to go see them all the time you know and so they'd be like sir we're gonna have to ask you to leave because uh your dogs won't shut up (laughs) (laughs) i tell you what as some video content this summer maybe i'll I'll take a video of of dixie running around the the lug nuts ballpark and we can use that here on the show what do you for sure well and and i won't show it to my dogs because they'll bark (laughs) My dogs see but, a, a, a plastic bag rolling by. They bark at it because they think it's <laughs> something they want to say hi to. Yeah, well, of course. Squirrel. Of the, That's kind of that well, you, yeah. Re, you remember the far side cartoons? No. Okay. They're, they're really, they're, they're really funny, like joke cartoons. And uh, Gary Larson drew them. He still may on a, but not, it used to be in the newspaper every day. Something of the past right there in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But, uh, um, my favorite one was dogs up on a fence and you can just see them barking, you know, the, the visual of them barking and it says what dogs are really saying. And it's just, Hey, 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 <laughs> that's all they're saying. <laughs> so good. I, I, we, we are big dog people. Well, you, you don't have cats, right, Sam? No. Yeah. Dog people I, here. I am. I'm not a fan of, animals that look at me um, angrily when i arrive home we're on the same page sam i i am not a cat guy by any means all right so this shows for the i don't dog, damn anybody so make that I, known i don't damn anybody that wants to have cats i do i just don't want to be told how much uh they hate me you know by look yeah it's yeah. it's don't true. judge me all right i want somebody to say oh you had a bad day let me you know be happy you're home see i'm we, you and me, Sam, we, we got a little chemistry built here on this show. Um, but anyway, something I did want to talk about. I'll, I'll yes. go away from dogs, cats, to uh, the coaching carousel. A yes. uh, little bit of Big Ten flavor here. Going back to Indianapolis is Thad Mata. Of course, he went to multiple Final Fours at Ohio State, won the Big Ten five times, won the Big Ten Coach of the Year three times when he was patrolling the sidelines in Columbus. When we saw him at the end of that Ohio State coaching career, I thought he was going to retire, move to Florida, and spend the rest of his days on a beach because his health issues were a big part of of what it was. And you remember him uh, coaching from uh, like a a chair or whatever. Like he had to be like accommodated for because he had health issues. And I, I, I never really thought we'd see Thad Mata again in this setting. And then last year he was running around with the Indiana basketball program. Yep. And 
saw him, didn't bump into him, but saw him a couple of different times uh, throughout the Big Ten season. The guy looks great. He looks skinny. He looks healthy. He had more life to him. Like he looked happy. I don't know if that means he's ready for the grind that it is to be a head coach of a program with all the recruiting and everything it is, but he's certainly in a spot that's much better than when he left us in the big 10. Well, and, and, you know, it's one of those that, you know, he, he came on big time as the Butler coach, Mm -hmm. correct? I mean, that was his first big, like that's when he started becoming a a well-known 2000 to 2001 is when he was at Butler. Yeah. It was such a small amount of time, but you you just could see that he was a great coach. And it was, you know, I, I think he's one of those that, uh, you know, he makes every program he touches better. Yeah. You know, no matter, and, and I don't know him by any means. Uh, I haven't studied, I haven't been a fan of any of the teams that he's part, but I've always respected the way he coaches. He's very passionate about the game and, he always seems to get a lot out of his his talent that he's got on his team. Yeah. No, and, and I think if you're getting a, a Thad Mata that appears to be as energized as he is, mm-hmm. great hire for Butler. I just yeah. – we saw what those health issues were doing to him at Ohio State at the end of that tenure, and, and that's the big, I suppose, pause if there is one that exists yeah. with this. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how this plays out at Hinkle. I, I think that should be fun. Um, and well, then, and and such a big name to come back to <laughs> Butler. That's a big hire for Butler because you know he's got some clout. He did recruit a lot of great talent, especially in the Indianapolis area at Ohio yep. State. So I mean, that that had to have been a, a pull for Butler to try to get him to come back, mm-hmm. and and getting him to come back and. You know, that could mean a lot because, you know, Indianapolis does produce a ton of college talent. It's true. And if he can keep them in town, uh, Butler's got a good good future coming up. No, I, I think you're right. And then the other one I wanted to, to touch on, and this will kind of lead into my headline as well, but um, Dwayne Stevens, uh, he was an assistant coach in East Lansing mm-hmm. for 19 years under Tom Mizzo. Of course, he played for Michigan State, helped yeah. him win a Big Ten title back in 1990. He recently took the job as the new Western Michigan head basketball Bronco. coach. Yeah, that's right. And and by the way, staying in the MAC, we didn't talk about this, but Michael Lewis, who's been a, a former IU. Yeah, he played at Indiana. He Mm -hmm. was a UCLA assistant recently. He took the head coaching job at Ball State. And you know what? The name sounded familiar when I saw it, but the picture didn't do anything because the last time I remember Michael Lewis, he had a big old bushy head of hair. He's completely bald. Yeah. And it threw me off. And then once I was like, wait a second, I saw that he he hired Jamal Meeks to his his, uh, uh, coaching uh, team. And I looked more, and I'm like, oh, Michael Lewis, he played at IU. So I got to look at him, like, I'll be darned, it is. Oh, well, I guess I'll root for that Hoosier. Yeah. Because I am a former Cardinal as well, so... And and yeah, Michael's Michael's a, a solid guy. So that's that's kind well, of he's got a lot of energy, and that's there. what I like. He, he he brings a lot of energy, and you've got to have that in a coach to be able to, for it to rub off on the team and bring that high energy in. So I think it's a it's a it's a positive hire. But let's get back to Western Michigan and Dwayne Stevens. Well, and I tell you what, I can, 
No, well, I, I can actually dive into it more when we get to our headlines. So okay. let's go ahead and, and move on now to the fourth quarter. Neither. All right. This is the part of the show we talked about it earlier where we bring you our headlines, something that stuck out to us. And as we always do, we start off with Sam Sprunger and the Sam Sentinel. Aha. I moved big on you there, Dalton. Yeah. Big screen on us. Big Sam. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, uh, earlier, you asked about the masters and, uh, I I wanted to talk about, uh, the reason why I follow major, uh, golf tournaments or any golf professionally in the PGA period. And, uh, it's, uh, one tiger woods, uh, 17 months without playing golf. Okay. Horrific car wreck say what you want about what you think the reasoning behind the car wreck is whatever i don't that that's not my concern my my thought is is what this man has done for the game of golf and bringing it into a mainstream sport rather than just being what was on on a sun rainy sunday afternoon when there was nothing other than golf on um he did more as well uh, he, he is a, a person of color. He is, a, he is half black. So therefore that is a big step in, in, uh, bringing equality into the game of golf. But another thing that he did was he brought people of color and other nationalities into loving golf because of just what he could do. And if you weren't alive or didn't pay attention to what Tiger Woods was when he was in his prime because it will never see that tiger woods ever again we'll see flashes of it and we saw a little bit of that yesterday but like what he has done to bring equality and a little bit of a little bit of of mainstreamness to the game of golf is incredible because when he was in his prime there was literally no shot that you didn't think he could make or it didn't ever surprise you, yet you were shocked to see the shots he made. He would take shots. Uh, uh, somebody likened it to when Brett Favre was playing. He would make throws that you would think, those are so stupid. And they weren't always complete. But when Tiger took a shot and you know that nobody else would do, more times than not, he would nail it. He would stick it and psychologically he would always have two to three strokes per golfer because they were watching the leaderboard, seeing what they had to do to try to keep pace with Tiger Woods, whatever his personal life and personal things are. That's not the concern. It's what he was doing uh, in the sport and what he was also doing for the sport and bringing more levity to different people. I have four adopted sons from Gary, Indiana. They are, they are people of color and they know who Tiger Woods is because he brought every other group to a white man's sport. I'm not ashamed to say that it was a, or not too scared to say it was a white man's sport. It was, it was, and now he's done so much to bring all colors, all cultures, all different types of people to the game of uh, 
game of golf and uh that's why i watch he literally is the reason why i watch golf and when he's not playing i don't watch it because he is that transcending to the game of golf so uh i i don't know i don't think he'll win this weekend but i think he he wouldn't play if he didn't think he had a shot um there have been times that he's pulled out of tournaments and you're wondering why is he pulling out he didn't think he could win because of whatever was going on. If he's playing, he thinks he can win. And that is great for the game of golf. That's it. And it's, I mean, it's simply amazing. As you mentioned, through all the back surgeries, the car crash, I didn't think we'd see him play again after the car crash. I didn't either. And, and well, just, there was talk even Dalton that like when they, they had to use the jaws of life to get him out of the car, yep. they thought they were going to have to take his legs. Yeah. I mean, and, and here he is playing. If we end up Sunday with a red shirt Tiger Woods, God help everybody. Yeah, that en- the, the energy that would be around Augusta would mm-hmm. be so off the charts. It may even be more unprecedented than some of the other things we've even seen from Tiger in the crowds and the galleries that he gets formed around him. Like, that would be so, I, I think it would be unpalpable. Like, it, it would be amazing. He made some shots yesterday. He he teed off on a par five and put it in the woods. And they said, how does he recover from this? You know, what's he going to do? And they suggested he lay up and everything. And he, and he did. But he laid it up so perfectly, right? And they said, he needs to probably just run it into that front side bunker. Well, he stopped it five yards short of the bunker. The next shot he put within a foot or two of the cup and he saved par out of it and they're like the comment was great because the the one commentator said has he really not played in 17 months like that was it shouldn't surprise you what tiger woods can do on the course he's just not human no just bare minimum i've seen him play once uh in person uh at the memorial in columbus and one year a few years back and it was actually at the time and i don't know if it's been beaten or hopefully not but at the time was his worst round as a professional golfer. Absolute worst round. He, he shot like an 85 or something like that. And the sound still from the ball coming off of his club was just, you know how you can just hear it and go, that's different. Mm-hmm. Like you hear a normal golf shot and you're like, okay. You hear it come off of Tiger Woods' club and it's just, it, it explodes. Mm-hmm. I, I saw... Jordan Spieth play that that same day. Didn't sound the same. I saw Phil Mickelson play. Didn't sound the same. By the way, Phil Mickelson almost hit me with his second shot on one of the t- on one of the holes uh near the end of the round there. He uh, he was within 5 feet of me hitting me and I would have been on e- on Sports Center or something that day. But... You dive in front of that one, right? <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have been kicked out if I'd have done that. That was also before they allowed photo like cell phones to be out and used. Yeah. And I didn't think anything of it. I just pulled it out when he was setting up to shoot. I pulled it out. I had three people put their hand on my shoulder and say, Sir, you need to put your phone away. I'm like, sorry, habit. I I was just like, look at this. You know, Phil Muckleson, jeez. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I still took pictures of Tiger, but it was from a distance. Yeah, I was gonna say you got a incognito <laughs> right. hiding the bushes. Um <laughs> By the way, too, for for Big Ten folks who are looking for the Big Ten flavor, uh, James Pyatt 
is in this Masters, and this is a Michigan State alum. Mm -hmm. He won the U.S. Amateur Open last year in 2021. Uh, started off day one, not the the hottest, but again, he's he's in the Masters, and it's an awesome, awesome moment for him. So well, the that's something the in for. and of itself makes it, yeah. you know, I mean, worth every minute of it, even if you play uh, not so wonderfully. It's a uh, it's something to root for though. So I've, some... I've been told by some buddies that have been to Augusta that it's like heaven on earth. Like it is just immaculate. It's 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 beautiful. It's everything you would expect a golf course to be, especially how much they hype it. So this would be a great segment that we'll do sometime in the summer because I just had the idea. Um, <laughs> sports sports bucket lists, and yeah, as each absolutely. year I get older, and and the Masters gets closer and closer onto my list. It might even end up hitting it like places i will make sure i go mm -hmm. before you kick the bucket yeah. um but regardless let's switch over to the dalton daily for a moment um uh, we talked about it a moment ago with the coaching carousel really starting to speed up and everything now that march madness is finished Dwayne stevens a longtime assistant under head coach tom mizzo spent 19 years as the assistant coach and was the associate head coach in at the later part of the tenure um obviously played at Michigan state bleeds green and white through and through he takes the head job at Western Michigan. And so earlier this week, he makes his trip down to Kalamazoo. He's getting ready for the introductory press conference, which by the way, Western Michigan was doing an amazing job with all the fanfare. You had the fight song, you had uh, all the pomp and circumstance, a little light show there in the arena uh, to kind of celebrate the introductory press conference of Dwayne Stevens. And then you look in the crowd and sitting there in the chairs <laughs> is head coach Tom Izzo. And and if you doubted for a moment that Tom Izzo would make the drive down to celebrate what Dwayne Stevens has now for a career opportunity, which, by the way, it has been an opportunity that's been long overdue with Dwayne Stevens. This mm -hmm. is somebody who's really put it in. He's earned a ton of respect and credibility in the coaching world. Uh, this has been coming for a while. But not only was Tom Izzo there, there's a picture actually tweeted out by Michigan State Basketball's Twitter account. And I know it doesn't do a ton for, for the mediums in, in the show that we're doing. But if you can envision in your head the, the picture of Dwayne Stevens, Tom Izzo, and 12 other guys lined up around Dwayne Stevens. You had David Thomas, who used to be a, a director of basketball operations. It isn't even a, with the, the program. I mean, careful how you say it because once you're in the Michigan state program, you're in the program forever. He is a Spartan for life, but he's, he's not part of daily. the family, but he's not part of the active program. He's not day in day out. Yes. Right, anymore. Right. Like he was, and he was a part of that national championship team. You had him, you had the assistant coaches, uh, Mark Montgomery, you had Mike Garland, you had Doug Wojcik, strength and conditioning coach, Marshall rep shows up trainer, Nick Ritchie shows up. You had so many people there. You had 14 Michigan State people there to celebrate Dwayne Stevens. And I know it, it becomes very cliche. A lot of different universities say, you know, it's it's like a family here. It's it's really just like a family. At Michigan State, they take that to another level. And if you need an example, this would be one of the first things you point to. 14 people at the height of offseason where they're busy, they're recruiting, they're doing all these things. They wouldn't miss it for anything. They all drive down to Kalamazoo. They celebrate with Dwayne Stevens as he gets the head coaching job. And you can see that the joy and happiness on the faces of all those Spartans. It's really just cool to see a Dwayne Stevens get an opportunity that he's deserved for a very long time. Certainly going to miss him around East Lansing. 
Um, But to see Michigan State do what Michigan State does, and maybe out of all the things that Michigan State does that's impressive, that might just be the biggest thing that this university has is the relationships. And they showed out. They went to Kalamazoo, celebrated Dwayne Stevens, and I thought that was just a really heartwarming, touching, inspirational thing to see that it, it really is a family at Michigan State, and, and they, they made sure it was known. Well, you think, and, uh, you know, Tom Izzo doesn't need any more notoriety. So he didn't do it for the aesthetics. Correct. He did it because it is truly, he loves Dwayne Stevens. He's part of his family. Uh, you know, and it, and it also preaches to, or speaks to what type of person Tom Izzo is genuinely. Um, who else would take, like you said, that much time as, as, as the head coach and as an iconic head coach, he could have just released a statement and said, I'm really happy for Dwayne Stevens. We wish him luck in Kalamazoo. Instead, he drove to Kalamazoo to be at the press conference and, and, and to have all those people go with him just also says what Dwayne Stevens meant to them. Yes. As well as what Coach Izzo has instilled into the program as this is a family. 100%. That hits all the bases. And, and you know, it's funny because you, you bring up the, the Izzo driving and, like, the funny thing is, Was he like, driving the big van? He might have been. Who knows? Um, <laughs> would that would look? Driving down, <laughs> driving down 94 and <laughs> there's Tom Izzo driving a big 15-passenger bus or van. With all these Spartans in the, in the shuttle. That would have um, been great. <laughs> but... I would have been stunned if he didn't go is what's amazing. Like yeah. that's, that's just who Tom Izzo is. You would have been borderline disappointed built. had he just put out a statement. Yeah. It, it's just, it's so not Tom. Like it's, it's unbelievably on brand for him to, to make a drive and for everybody to be invested. It's just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. one of the really special things about one of the special places in the big mm-hmm. 10 Michigan state. I agree. Um, but so as we get ready to close out this week's show, Sam, you want to let everybody know where they can find us? Up top, he's pointing. Oh, Finger yeah, that's right. Some, some, <laughs> pow, pow, pow. some, some aren't, some aren't watching the video. Yeah, yeah. We yeah you three. missed quite the 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 jig by Sam though, as he was kind of like a, a chair dance. You know those people like out in front of the the stores that have those big arrows. Like yeah, he was, was kind of windmilling was, it up yeah, there. That's all right. <laughs> no, we've got three main ways to get a hold of the get a hold or find out what we're doing. I guess and. uh uh, we didn't have a poll question this week. It was kind of a crazy week that we didn't get one in. Um, but we normally will have a, a poll question. But we, you know, Big Ten plus four on Twitter, you have to spell out the the plus. So Big Ten, spell out plus four. Uh, find us on Facebook, Big Ten plus four, oddpodsmedia.com. We're, uh, we've got a page on there. Uh, you can find us anywhere. Uh, podcasts are, are played. We are streamed on ASAP Sports, uh, All Sports, All Plays Network, um, multiple times uh, in the week, uh, in between our, our live streams. Uh, but also, if you don't want to wait for those moments, you can go on to Spotify and check out the video there as well. All right, so that'll do it from us here at Big Ten Plus Four. That's Sam Sprunger. I'm Dalton Shetler. Until next week, we'll talk to you soon. See you later. <laughs>